In recent years, some people have peddled an insane conspiracy theory called the Great Replacement, which is the notion that our political elite has for decades intentionally wielded our nation's immigration policy to replace the American people with foreigners. The sort of people who peddle this theory, according to the liberal media, are lunatics and racists and Nazis, and now, apparently, Chuck Schumer. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. So when conservatives say the exact same thing that Chuck Schumer just said, it is a racist and ridiculous conspiracy theory. When Chuck Schumer says it, it's a moral and necessary process that we have to speed up because Americans are not having children. Now, I'm no expert. I don't have an advanced degree in political science. I'm not a U.S. senator. But wouldn't another solution to this problem, instead of importing millions of foreign nationals each year in violation of the law and the will of the American people, be perhaps instead to stop enforcing national policies that discourage Americans from having babies? Couldn't, couldn't we do that? Schumer is saying that our nation, which uh, just coincidentally subsidizes abortion, discourages marriage, celebrates sexual dysfunction, exalts contraception, forces women into the workplace, suppresses wages through mass migration, suppresses religion, and undermines the family, is apparently not having enough kids. Who'd have thunk it? So strange. I think I might have some solutions to that problem. But the libs don't want to fix that problem because the libs don't want Americans to have more kids because the libs don't like Americans and they don't like America and they want to fundamentally transform this country. And they are well on their way to doing just that. You're just not allowed to say it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I just don't know why we're not having enough kids. Why is it? I mean, all of our policies are designed to discourage people from having kids. Why won't we have kids? So strange. My favorite comment yesterday is from Moose Chuckle. What a name. Who says, I honestly think Trump's speech was the best one he's done. Biggest complaint even of those who support him is his brash nature and his mouth. He was energetic, direct, and focused, all without being a complete jerk. Yeah, I think that's true. That was obviously the strategy going into the speech. I guess I'm just in the minority because I like brash Trump. That is, that is my favorite Trump. I like clear, bold, brash, takes no prisoners Trump. I like it when Trump is Trump. I get it. That might not play well with with, I don't know, moderates or centrists or the suburban people or whatever. So maybe Trump did what he had to do. I'm not knocking him. I think the speech obviously was strategic. I just, my favorite Trump is the Trump who, when he is confronted in the debate by Megyn Kelly, and she says, you've said terrible things about women. You've called them fat and ugly and all these terrible things. And he cuts her off and he says, only Rosie O'Donnell 
That's my favorite Trump, okay? The Trump who just, you can't believe what he's saying. It so breaks the rules of our political status quo. But I might be in the minority. Trump might be doing the right thing. He's trying to protect his campaign so that he can protect the country. We've got to protect our homes and our communities. That's why you got to check out Ring. Right now, head on over to ring.com slash collections slash offers. With Christmas right around the corner, many of us are going to be traveling to see our families and loved ones soon. Thanksgiving's coming up. You got a whole lot of holidays, okay? You may find yourself away from home more often than not. That is why I've decided to team up with Ring. With Ring security products, you can rest easy knowing that your home and family are safe when you are not there. The Ring doorbell notifies you when guests or packages arrive. Ring's indoor cameras let you keep an eye on kids and pets while you're away. Ring alarm will alert you of any motion detection while the house is empty. Plus, if you add smart lighting around your home, you can turn lights on or off while you're away. Ring's home security products don't just help keep your home and family safe. They make perfect gifts for everyone on your list. Head on over to ring.com slash collections slash offers to find out how you can live a little less stressed this season with a Ring product that is right for you. That is ring.com slash collections slash offers. Get real tough these days to figure out what the difference is between a conspiracy theory and the truth. The left-wing media have screamed at us until they are blue in the face that the great replacement is a horrible, racist, anti-Semitic, all the isms kind of conspiracy theory. And then Chuck Schumer comes out and describes the great replacement in precise terms and says it's a wonderful thing and it is happening and we need more of it. So what is it? It got even crazier. I I just noticed this uh, in a post from uh, Clown World Today, one of my favorite social media accounts which I looked it up for myself. If you go to the video from the World Government Summit, it's a World Government Summit video, and it says, are we ready for a new world order? And this is from this year's, the 2022 World Government Summit. Here is just a little clip of what they are discussing in the video. Your Excellency, are you ready for a new world order? I think, uh, Becky, the, pro- the main problem is uh, if you think of the technology. goes on and on and on. Here's how we're going to have the New World Order. I'm on the panel about the New World Order asking, are we ready for the New World Order at the World Government Summit to create a New World Order? And yet, on the video, YouTube has put a disclaimer. YouTube has said, the New World Order is a conspiracy theory. The New World Order is a wild, crazy conspiracy theory which hypothesizes a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. It's not secretly emerging where I'm watching the video of the summit (laughs) that just took place this year that uses the exact language that you were telling me is a conspiracy theory. These libs have got to get better control over their messaging because out of one side of their mouth, they're saying that their plans are a conspiracy theory. Out of the other side of their mouth, they are actively campaigning for it on the open stage. Just a reminder, just a reminder that when you hear that phrase conspiracy theory, assume that the person who is using it, if they're using it in earnest, assume that they are not making an argument in good faith. That is just a phrase to shut up up opponents. The phrase didn't even appear in the English language really until the middle of the 20th century. It didn't really take off until the latter part of the 20th century. 
It's, it's a, a phrase, just like so many left-wing phrases, that is designed not to convey some truth, but to deceive you, to shut you up. It's, it's the kind of phrasing that we see out of political correctness. Okay, they put the disclaimer on the official verified channel for the World Government Summit about the new world order. Speaking of the world order and conspiracy theories, two days ago, a missile hit Poland. And I didn't cover it on the show yesterday because we were in the fog of war and I did not believe the media reports about the missile. And I'm glad I didn't believe them because my hunch was right. The missile hits Poland. We were instantly told this is a Russian missile. Russia has attacked a NATO member state. This triggers Article 5. We need to send the bombers over to Moscow now. We're in World War III, baby. Let's do it. This was the kind of talk that was egged on by the bellicose president of Ukraine, the most puffed up man in the world by the Western media, Vladimir Zelensky, who says this is a clear act of Russian aggression and escalation. Today happened what we warned about a long time ago. This terror is not limited to our national borders. It has spread to the territory of Moldova. And today, Russian missiles hit Poland. Today, Russian missiles hit Poland. Okay. So at this point, the whole chattering class, all of the propagandists in the West, they just gobble this stuff up. I did not because, as I've said for many months now, I do not believe anything that I hear about the war in Ukraine. I will do my own research. I will investigate it myself. Sometimes I'll come up with an answer that I think is credible. Very often though, it's still the fog of war and I'm still not quite sure. I don't believe the propaganda coming out of the Kremlin, and I don't believe the propaganda coming out of the West. I think it is, it is what I say it is. I think it is all wartime propaganda and not to be believed. And I sure am glad that I waited. Because when you started to do a little bit more research on, on this, once you get past the mainstream media headlines, once you get past Vladimir Zelensky's begging for World War III, you would notice that the Pentagon did not confirm that it was a Russian missile. Other Western governments would not confirm that it's a Russian missile. Then we find out yesterday it was not a Russian missile. Maybe the, the missile was made in Russia. Let's not forget Ukraine has been part of Russia for a lot of its history. But the missile was fired according to all of the intelligence sources now and even according to the media by Ukraine by Ukraine. So when they said it was a Russian missile, we had all the clamors for war. Here we go. Hit a NATO country. Article 5. What's World War 3, baby? Then we find out it was a Ukrainian missile. Oh, never mind. Never mind. That's okay. Move along. Nothing to see here. There was actually a headline in the New York Times. This is amazing. They admit after the fact, okay, it wasn't a Russian missile. But then, then the headline is, this is not Ukraine's fault. Tensions ease over missile strike in Poland. NATO and Polish officials said that it was a Ukrainian missile that crossed the border and killed two people, but that Russia bore the blame. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. Hold on. When it's a Russian missile, Russia bears the blame. When it's a Ukrainian missile, Russia bears the blame. When it's a Russian missile, we got to get ready for World War III. When it's a Ukrainian missile that hits a NATO country, oh, never mind, no big deal. Tensions ease all of a sudden. Why? The same number of people were killed. The same NATO territory was violated. Why? And by the way, by the way, 
There is another theory that actually maybe it was a Russian missile, but that the governments in the West are downplaying that because they don't want to escalate tensions with Moscow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I tend to believe Putin, for, for all of his sins, has been pretty precise when it comes to the special military operation. He's been pretty precise in a lot of his political actions since he's, he took power 20 years ago. I tend to believe it is more likely that the Pentagon and Western intelligence and the New York Times are finally admitting the truth. I think they're, the second story that they're going with now actually is more likely to be true. And the citizen journalists who have been reporting on this from the beginning when the mainstream media were getting it wrong, that very likely it was a Ukraine missile. But it's, it, it's a story to remind you, do not believe the first news that you read. This, this was true during the Trump days. Whatever crazy headline you saw about Trump, just wait 24 hours, okay? Because it's probably, what you're reading is probably not the reality. Well, the same is certainly true in Ukraine. The same is certainly true of all wars, okay? And there are a lot of people who are all too eager to be duped into a major, major war over Ukraine with a Ukrainian president who is pleading with the West to start World War III, to go to strike Moscow, to plunge the world into a potentially, a potentially nuclear conflict over what? Over Ukraine, which has a thousand-year-long territorial dispute with Russia. World wars, as I've said from the beginning, world wars have started over a lot less, over a lot less than energy disputes in Russia, over a lot less than color revolutions in Eastern Europe, over a lot less than a missile flying into Poland. World wars have started with a lot less, and people ought to be very, very careful. Okay, we got to protect ourselves. One way to protect yourself is to arm yourself with our Second Amendment rights and to exercise those rights. Another way to, to protect yourself is to caffeinate yourself, make sure that you're ready and raring to go for a fight. And one way to combine those things, Black Rifle Coffee. Right now, head on over to blackriflecoffee.com, use code Knowles. Do you have a coffee lover on your Christmas shopping list. Black Rifle has all the best brewing gear, thermoses, mugs, and apparel designed for folks who love country and coffee. Black Rifle sources the most exotic roasts from around the globe. All the coffee is roasted right here in the U.S. by veteran-led teams of coffee experts. Stuff your Christmas stockings with the latest roasts from America's Coffee for 10% off with my code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Better yet, Sign your secret Santa up for a coffee club subscription. Imagine the joy of a pre-scheduled coffee delivery, your favorite roasts, when you need them most. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-founded and operated. They take pride in serving coffee and culture to people who love America. Every purchase you make with Black Rifle helps support veteran and first responder causes. Go to blackriflecoffee.com. Use promo code Knowles for 10% off coffee coffee gear, apparel, or when you sign up for a new coffee club subscription. That's blackriflecoffee.com, promo code Knowles for 10% off. Black Rifle Coffee, supporting veterans and America's coffee. Speaking of foreign affairs, the saddest, most pathetic clip I've seen from the world stage in a very long time took place yesterday when Justin Trudeau, the rumored bastard child of Fidel Castro. But I, listen, that is a conspiracy theory. I'm, I don't buy it. I actually don't buy it. 
He just behaves like Fidel Castro's son. But the prime minister of America's top hat, Justin Trudeau, had an impromptu meeting at the G20 with Chinese president for life, Xi Jinping. The power dynamics were pathetic. Everything we discussed has been leaked to the papers. That's not appropriate, says Xi. That is not the way the conversation was conducted, says Xi. There's poor Justin Trudeau like a deer in the headlights. If there is sincerity, if there was sincerity on your part, Justin, he starts to walk away. And Justin, just total beta moves, says, well, you know, we have a free exchange and we're going to, she won't even look at him. Let's create the conditions. Let's create the conditions first. Bye. See ya. Just walks away from him. Poor Trudeau. You can tell he's like shaking as he walks away. Poor Trudeau, it, he can't, he's wobbling. He's so, it feels so awkward. It's so pathetic. Big Daddy Xi is obviously the power player in this dynamic, and poor little Justin Trudeau is cowering. And this is really sad for us because Canada is and always has been America's top hat. I, I use that phrase somewhat jokingly, but Canada really is just sort of an extension of America and the broader kind of Anglo-American sphere of influence. And we used to be the top guys in the world stage. It did not used to be the case that the Chinese could come up to the Westerners and boss us around and tell us what to do and dress us down in public. That did not happen. That does happen now because we have lost leverage and power on the world stage. We are in an era of Western decline and Chinese ascent. And this didn't just come about organically or accidentally. This was a policy. Just as we were talking at the top of the show about this strange situation we're in where Americans aren't having children. Wow, it's so weird. How did we get there? Oh, whoopsie-daisy. Guess we need mass migration. No, it didn't just happen whoopsie-daisy. It happened intentionally because in part of changes to our immigration laws in the first place, which depress wages and and uh, discourage people from having kids, but also all the laws on sex, the complete redefinition and abolition of marriage, the uh, abortion laws, the promotion of contraception, the forcing of women into the workforce. It's always phrased as, we're allowing women into the workforce. Oh yes, no, women have the opportunity to go make widgets for Mr. McGillicuddy down at the factory. But is that really how it works for most women? I know a lot of women who would like to stay home and raise their kids. I know a lot of women who would prefer that, but they can't do it because you can't raise a family in America on one income anymore. They have to work. And then they have to pay a bunch of money to some other woman to raise their kids for them. It's, it's in, in practice, our current labor laws force women into the workforce much more than they give women the opportunity to go work at the widget factory, okay? And that di it didn't just happen accidentally. These are laws that we have passed to do this sort of thing. Well, it's the same thing with national decline and Chinese ascent. Joe Biden was on the record, I think it was about 10 years ago, he said, China's rising and that's a good thing for everybody. Rising tide lifts all ships. It's good that we're encouraging China to grow and rise and become very, very strong. And this was, I don't mean to just blame Biden and the Democrats. Biden's been around forever, so he bears some responsibility for it. He was a big promoter of this, but it was the Republicans too. It was both parties that encouraged China to enter the World Trade Organization. We went really soft on our trade deals with China. 
We encourage them to, we let them steal our IP. We let them illegally uh, devalue their own currency. We let them do all sorts of things that gave them an advantage over us. And now we see the consequences of that. We and our little vassals up there in Canada, like Justin Trudeau, get dressed down. Very, very sad. It, it is funny in that exchange. I'm sort of rooting for she, you know, <laughs> between she and and Ju- uh, Justin Trudeau. I actually <laughs> kind of get a kick out of she dressing him down. But it's sad. It's sad for our civilization, and it shows our relative status in the world. Now, speaking of world leaders, there is a shocking new poll out. This is from The Economist and YouGov. It shows Ron DeSantis not just gaining on Trump, not even just tied with Trump. He is way up on Donald Trump. The poll asks, if you had to choose, who would you rather see as the Republican nominee for president in 2024? 51% chose DeSantis. 33% chose Trump. 17% are not sure. That means Ron DeSantis right now in this poll is 18 points up on Trump. Polls generally mean nothing. Primary polls this far out and national primary polls also don't really mean very much because the primaries are conducted in states. And if DeSantis gets in, he won't be the only one to get in. I bet there will be a lot of other candidates who get in. And so you'll see a big splitting of the vote. And it could be the case that that Donald Trump then just gets a plurality. And this is what happened in 2016. He didn't have the majority of the vote in these states, but he had the plurality. And the other guys stayed in the race a long time and Donald Trump got the nomination. All of that might happen. But this should worry Trump that he is falling this far behind this early on. I I assume this is why Trump declared early. I think this is why Trump's speech was relatively restrained as he wanted to show that he can he can be Trump without the downsides. He can be what they're billing DeSantis as. But this is leading to a GOP civil war, whether we want to admit it or not. Ron DeSantis was just asked about it. Here's his answer. Look, I think we we just we just finished this election. Okay? People just need to chill out a little bit on some of this stuff. I mean, seriously. We just ran an election. We have this Georgia runoff coming, which is very important for Republicans to win that Georgia runoff. I mean, I know around the country, uh, Florida was kind of the the biggest bright spot. It was not so bright in many other parts of the country. It was a it was a it was a substandard performance given the dynamics that are at play. So hopefully, we'll be able to be able to do that. But I think what people like me who've been given the opportunity to continue is okay. Uh, let's do something with that. And the reason why we want historic victory is at the end of the day, we led, we delivered, and we had your back when you needed us. That, that is why we won big. DeSantis goes on, we don't have the clip, but he goes on to say, and so we're going to continue to deliver. We're not going to look back. I think that's very, very significant. So he gives a good answer here. He doesn't talk about Trump specifically, but this is all about Trump. He says, look, people like me who have been given the opportunity to continue, right? Unlike Trump, who only got one term, me, I got reelected. So here's what we're going to do. And I'm not going to look back. Trump's speech was all looking back. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. Look, we're not looking back. We're looking forward. So he is tailoring all of his answers here. They're in a somewhat veiled way, but nevertheless, these are barbs back at Trump. Trump started the fight. DeSantis is throwing these jabs. Not openly yet, but folks, we're two years out and it's already getting this testy between Trump and DeSantis. And what I urge people 
And I, I have urged my fellow conservative pundits, public figures, politicians, I've suggested to people, hey, we have primaries for a reason. Let this thing play out. You don't need to just dig your heels in and be the most hardcore, I'm DeSantis or die, or I'm Trump or die, or I'm, I don't know, Tim Scott or die. I don't know how many of those people there are. But you, you know, we're very, we're very early. We, we as a party have a primary process for a reason. It's okay. You don't need to pretend that Trump wasn't the best conservative president of your lifetime. You know he was. You know he was. You don't need to pretend that you hate Trump. You probably love Trump. He's a very lovable guy. Likewise, you don't need to pretend that DeSantis hasn't done a good job in Florida. He's done a great job in Florida. He's a good candidate. There's no question about that. It's okay, guys. It's all right. People don't like uncertainty. It gives them anxiety, and they don't like it, and so people just want to rush to a conclusion. Well, life is about cultivating patience and resignation, <laughs> in large part. These are virtues, okay, and you've got You've got to let things play out in their due time, all right? I know, but there, it's tough because there's a lot of political pressure these days. There's, there's a lot of people trying to attack you for your views. That's why you probably want to anonymize your data online. That's why you need ExpressVPN. Right now, head on over to expressvpn.com slash Profiling, surveillance, data harvesting. There are a lot of things that I do not like about tech giants, but there's only so much that I can do. I don't have $44 billion to go buying up Twitter yet. Yet, we just need a few more subscriptions, then we can do it. Good news is right now, you don't have to be a billionaire to take a stand. For less than seven bucks per month, you can join me and fight back against big tech by using ExpressVPN. Big tech companies make their money by tracking your online activity, your searches, your video history, everything that you click on. They sell those data to advertisers who target you. ExpressVPN helps you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address so they can't match any activity back to you. I love ExpressVPN. I use it on all my devices to make it much more difficult for big tech companies to exploit my data for their own profits. Super easy to use. Just tap one button on your phone or computer and you are free to roam the internet free from big tech's prying eyes. If you don't like big tech tracking you and selling your personal data for profit, fight back by using ExpressVPN. That's expressvpn.com slash Knowles. Right now, you'll get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Knowles. ExpressVPN.com slash Knowles. DeSantis throwing some digs at Trump. Trump throwing some digs at DeSantis. Speaking of Burns, uh, Jay Leno has just suffered very serious burns. Kind of a hard segue, but it, it relates very broadly to what we're talking about here. Uh, Jay Leno, as a lot of people know, loves cars. He loves working on his own cars. He was working on one of his cars, and he got gasoline sprayed onto his face, and then there was a spark, and his face caught on fire. I mean, it just it sounds absolutely awful. Uh, he was rushed to the hospital. He could have died. Easily, easily could have died. Uh, Dr. Peter Grossman, who's a board-certified plastic surgeon in LA, told reporters that Leno suffered, quote, significant burns to his face and hands and required a surgical excision and grafting procedure. Uh, Leno then told TMZ that his friend Dave, who was in the garage with him at the time, was able to smother the flames. Otherwise, it easily could have killed him. And then the doctor said that, now this is just like a couple of days later, that Leno was in good spirits and was even helping with the other patients and giving children cookies. Said, quote, we're very happy to have him as part of our team. So this is a guy who just gets his face and hands burnt off. 
And a couple of days later, he's out cracking jokes, having a fun time in the hospital, giving kids cookies. A lot of people are asking, how can he do this? Uh, people probably aren't that surprised, because when you think of Jay Leno, you just think of this very buoyant guy, just like, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. you know, he's always just kind of happy. He's not one of these angry comedians, just, blah, 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 right? He's, he's very funny and delightful. A great lesson here is, is on how good it is to cultivate buoyancy, okay? How good it is to not only be resilient in the sense that you're really tough and you can withstand troubles, but to be buoyant, that when, that when circumstances get you down and try to smother you, drown you in the water, you just bloop, pop right back up. Buoyancy is really, really important. And people very often just have the opposite. They'll, they'll sink to the bottom even if they're taking a nice swim in the Caribbean Ocean. <laughs> you know, even if, even if they're in broadly happy circumstances, they'll still find some terrible thing, some negative discomfort to, to obsess about. You don't want to do that. People have this fantasy, which is, you know, I'm, things are tough right now, but once I get past this, then I'll be happy. Uh, you know, it's a tough week at work, but once I get past this week at work, then, then I'll be happy. Oh, I'm having a hard time, you know, with my family. But once, once this one thing changes, six months from now, then I'll be happy. Ah, oh, you know, the house needs work. Oh, it's so annoying. I got a leak in my ceiling. Once we fix that leak, though, then I'll be happy. And the people who think that way are never happy. <laughs> That's the secret, because there's always going to be some other thing. And there's always going to be some circumstance that is imperfect because we live in a fallen world. So it is, I think, your duty, but it's certainly greatly to your benefit to cultivate that kind of buoyancy now. Circumstances are sort of morally neutral, okay? Suffering is not a, an immoral thing. So you can respond to suffering in a, in a good, moral, edifying, sanctifying way, or you can respond to it in a degrading and... and and disedifying way. I hate that word because it's a silly word, but you can, in a, in a destructive way, in a way that is really not going to be good for you, okay? Suffering is just part of the world. And so you'll, you'll notice the people who, the people who can have their face burnt off and still be happy and buoyant and able to get by the next day, they're the people who don't sweat the small stuff either. You know, it's just, it's a, it's not a, a fact of circumstance. It's a fact of their own character. And I think it's, on all of us to cultivate that. Sometimes people will say, you see this in politics, they'll say, we just, we're just need to do X, Y, and Z, and then we'll finally achieve a good country. That's what we need to achieve a good country. A country is not a thing to achieve. A country is a place to inhabit. Okay, it's not, we're going to get there. This is how the progressives talk. We're going to get there. We're not there yet, but we're going to get there where we achieve this good country. We're already there. We're in the country, okay? We are here, and every single moment of the day, we have the option to, to pursue good and avoid evil, or to pursue evil and avoid good. In all of our little decisions, that's how you have a good country, okay? Is you just do the right thing consistently, and you cultivate that habit, because virtue is a habit, and then you have a good country. It's not some distant thing. Six months from now, then we're going to have a good country. You can do it right now. A lot of that involves cultivating a spirit of resignation. Speaking of the spirit of resignation, Mitch McConnell will be reelected 
uh, Republican majority or Republican minority leader in the Senate. That is going to happen. There was a challenge from Rick Scott. Rick Scott, a more conservative senator from Florida, he challenged McConnell. They held a vote. It was it was a secret ballot because none of the senators want to get on Cocaine Mitch's bad side because he's just going to turn out like Tony Montana, you know, and pull that automatic weapon and say, say, say hello to my little right. So it was a secret ballot. Rick Scott pried away about ten votes. McConnell gets reelected. And he, he told us that this would happen. He said, I have the votes. I will be elected. The only issue is whether we do it sooner or later. Now, I don't hate Mitch McConnell in the way that a lot of conservatives do because McConnell held firm on the judges when Scalia died. And McConnell is in large part the reason why we got to overrule Roe v. Wade and why Trump, probably one of the main reasons Trump got elected to replace Scalia and then why we got that big victory in Dobbs. So I like McConnell, but the man is not a hardline rock-ribbed conservative. Chuck Schumer now, the Senate Majority Leader again, is already talking about sitting down with McConnell and trying to kill off the MAGA movement. I am going to say to the Republicans in the Senate, who are not the MAGA Republicans, stop letting them lead your party. Work with us to get things done. And I intend to sit down with Mitch McConnell and express that. And I think you've been saying that. You've been asking for Go on. Just quickly, when are you going to, you're sitting down with Mitch McConnell this week? No, I'm going to, I intend, I've said this yesterday and the day before too. um, I intend to sit down with him and say, how can we, we should be working together. You're not going to get the extremists in your party to work with anybody, but the rest of us can work together and get them some real things done for the American people. So thankfully, CNN clarified here and said, wait, when are you sitting down with Mitch McConnell? And he said, no, I I intend to. So it's not like they have a meeting on the books. But I'm sure McConnell will be more than open to this overture from Schumer. McConnell hates the MAGA wing of the party. There's no question about that. The GOP establishment in Washington, D.C. hates the MAGA wing of the party. And this is why just as we talk about healthy skepticism when we hear reports out of the war in Ukraine, we need healthy skepticism when we hear reports out of why the Republicans did or did not perform in the midterms. The people who hate Donald Trump and the MAGA movement are going to be much more inclined to blame the disappointing performance during the midterms on Trump and the MAGA movement. Almost to a man, The people who are blaming this thing on Trump didn't like Trump to begin with and don't like the MAGA movement. Now, if you talk to the MAGA movement people and the people who like Donald Trump, they're going to be much more inclined to blame the upending of our voting rules for what happened on Tuesday. They're going to say, yeah, we had a red wave in Florida, and maybe you can say that's only because of DeSantis, but how do you explain the red wave in Texas? How do you explain the red wave in Ohio? How do you explain the difference between Florida, Texas, and Ohio and Arizona and Nevada? Well, the difference there is that Florida, Texas, and Ohio had tightened up their voting rules. And they didn't even tighten them up all that much, but they tightened them up a little bit after 2020. Arizona and Nevada did not. There were a whole lot of shenanigans that we saw in Arizona and Nevada. And surprise, surprise, the Republicans lose. So if you look at it from that vantage, which I think is much more persuasive, then the question is not over candidate quality or those crazy MAGA candidates. J.D. Vance was a crazy MAGA candidate. He won just fine. It wasn't just, oh, you know, it's Blake Masters and Carrie Lake. They're crazy MAGA candidates. There, it, it would seem 
that the more decisive factor was the election laws. The, the changing to the way that we conduct the elections, which give a huge benefit to the Democrats. The, the majority of votes coming in early as a result of things like ballot harvesting, right? That's obviously going to favor Democrats. Republicans don't have a ballot harvesting organization. We just don't have it at all. Democrats have had them for decades. Maybe that's, maybe that's really what's going on here. I just would urge caution. As when you read the news about Ukraine, urge caution and, and maybe notice every now and again that the people who are so insistent, this is exactly what happened. Very often it's the people who got all their predictions wrong about the elections, but then the next day they're going to go on air and tell you, this is exactly what happened. Who have no epistemic humility whatsoever here. They're, they're going to say that just coincidentally, what happened in my analysis of the elections, what happened is every single thing to confirm my own priors. Yeah, okay, I'm a little skeptical of that. I don't think so. I don't think that we should accept the establishment line. Maybe we don't even necessarily accept the the MAGA line of argument at face value. Maybe we look into these things for ourselves and recognize it's a complex process. There's a lot at play, and there are a lot of forces who are fighting a long, simmering civil war that actually has nothing to do with the midterms, and it's been going on for a very, very long time. Have you watched the exclusive three-part series Dr. Jordan B. Peterson's On Marriage yet? Because I would strongly recommend it. I, I think every single day, I am truly blessed by God. I was thinking this just last night as I was going to bed. I am so, so blessed to have my wonderful wife, sweet little Elisa, and my two sweet little kids. And it's just uh, truly, a, 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 I can't even articulate what that feels like. With marriage rates at an all-time low in the United States and a birth rate that is continuing to fall, not everyone gets that sort of joy, that, that, uh, and, and people should. Many more people should have that sort of joy. Everyone needs to watch this show, especially young people. Statistics are showing that younger people are getting married much later in life and less frequently too. Now, our audience is not filled with Peter Pans, but just in case there are a few stragglers who are late to the marriage and family party, consider this a pleasant little kick in the teeth. Stop being so self-centered. For those of you married folks who've let time and work and outside forces get in the way, Jordan will also show you how to navigate through those moments and get back to that romantic fun adventure you had at the beginning. Daily Wire Plus members can catch all three episodes of Jordan Peterson's On Marriage today. If you're not a member, go to dailywire.com slash Knowles to join today. Remember, your membership really helps us to prevent the total collapse of society as we know it. If the shows were not incentive enough, that, I hope, pushes you across the finish line. There are plenty of arguments about the role of MAGA and Trump going into the future. There's one really weak argument, though, that I keep hearing. And actually, I heard it from a guy that I like a lot. Mick Mulvaney was a former, well, I think he was chief of staff to Donald Trump, at least acting chief of staff. And so he was a MAGA guy. He supported Trump. He was with him. But he says that Trump is probably the one guy who could lose in 2024. Do you think this is good for the Republican Party? No, I, I don't, because I think he's the only Republican who could lose. Um, if, he run, if he wins in 2024, now he's a candidate. He is the likely Republican nominee. Can he be beaten head-to-head by Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott? 
Sure, but it's not going to be a head-to-head race. There'll be five or six other people in the race, and he'll get the 35% that really support him. And under the winner-take-all primary system, he'll be the nominee. Um, but that means the 2024 race is not about Joe Biden or whatever Democrat is on the, on the ticket, not about inflation, not about world events, not about abortion. It'll be about Donald Trump, the same thing we saw in 2020. Uh, no one voted for Joe Biden. Everybody voted for or against Donald Trump. It was a referendum on him, and that's what we're hurtling towards in 2024. And I don't see the outcome being any different two years from now than it was two years ago. So I like Mick Mulvaney. I don't think the guy's a squish. I think a lot of his analysis is quite good, especially, well, I actually had given the same analysis earlier in the show. I think his analysis of the way the primaries shake out is very, very good as well. I mean, if you look at 2016, had Rubio dropped out earlier, Ted Cruz would have been the GOP nominee. It's just, it's just the way the primaries work. But because he stayed in, it split that anti-Trump vote. And so Donald Trump gets the plurality, plurality, plurality. Eventually, he's the nominee. So I think all of that's true. Where I think Mulvaney, though, is wrong and frankly naive is the idea that Donald Trump is the only Republican who could lose in 2024. I have almost the exact opposite take. I, I sort of think that it's virtually impossible for a Republican to win in 2024. I, I took a little look at the election map. Okay, the Electoral College map here, and I went through all of the states that Republicans could win. And I, I was very generous on the toss-up states. Okay, I said that Republicans get Florida. I said Republicans get Texas, sure. I said Republicans get Ohio. I said Republicans get Wisconsin. That's far from certain. But I said, let's say Republicans get Wisconsin. I said Republicans get North Carolina. Far from certain. Probably unlikely, but okay, let's throw that there too. I said Republicans get Nevada. Very far from certain. I'm very skeptical that Republicans will get Nevada, but okay, let's say Republicans get Nevada. Okay. Even still, I gave the Democrats Michigan, gave the Democrats Colorado, I think is quite clear at this point. Even still, with all of that being so generous to what the Republicans could get, Without Arizona, the Republicans lose. And Arizona has real problems with the elections. Those Maricopa voting machines, just they just don't seem to work all that well. Whoopsie-daisy. The people conducting the elections in Arizona, well, the, the, uh, to, the top official to conduct elections in this past cycle was Katie Hobbs, who was the Democrat who was running for governor and then coincidentally won. But even you look at the Maricopa County officials, there was a, a, a rejoinder to the questioning on the right of the, the Maricopa elections. And people pointed out, they said, well, you know, the Maricopa County officials conducting the elections, they're actually Republicans. Yeah, they're Republican, mostly Republicans, sort of, except that they hate Donald Trump. They're never Trump Republicans. They go on left-wing news outlets. They have been going on for a very long time, lambasting Donald Trump and the Trumpian candidates and anyone who raises any questions about the election procedures. Then you look at the election laws in Arizona, they heavily favor Democrats. And so I'm highly skeptical that if we can't tune up these laws, that any Republican could possibly win. But the idea that, oh, it's only Donald Trump, It's only Donald Trump that people, give me a break. Part of the reason that the other candidates look shiny right now is because the national apparatus has not attacked them yet. Attacked them to some degree. DeSantis has taken plenty of slings and arrows, but nowhere near the kind of slings and arrows that we've seen from Trump. It's not DeSantis's fault. DeSantis hasn't run a national campaign yet. And that's what happens. 
And very often what will happen is the media will prop up certain Republican candidates during the primary campaign only to try to clobber them in the general. In fact, that's exactly what happened with Donald Trump. The media encouraged Donald Trump. They celebrated Trump because they thought he'd be the easiest to beat in the general election. Then it turned out Trump beats Hillary. The idea, I'm not, I am not saying with certainty that Trump is the best candidate in 2024. I'm far from saying that. But he is far from the worst candidate. Donald Trump helped put together a coalition that was different and better than the GOP establishment coalition. Than the Mitt Romney, for, listen, 47% of Americans are just freeloading poor people. That, remember that? Remember that comment? Listen, we're just going to cut all, we're just going to cut taxes and outsource all of your jobs and open up the borders. Remember, remember that Republican party? Uh, no, I think the Trump movement inspires far greater support than, uh, than the other stuff. And yes, he's gotten the attacks. Sure. He's been in the game for six, seven years now, but the next guy is going to get that too. I remember during the primaries in 2016, 2015, I was sitting in, uh, in Los Angeles at a bar and uh, one of the staff members comes over and uh, uh, this guy was obviously Hispanic. I didn't know if he was uh, legal or illegal, had a very thick accent and uh, didn't ask him. And, <laughs> and he's looking and we're watching the debates and he's kind of shaking his head at the candidates. And I forget who was on screen. Maybe it was, I don't know, Ted Cruz. I said, oh, you don't like Ted Cruz? He goes, no, nah, he's not my guy. I said, oh, who do you like? You like uh, Hillary? He goes, no, nah, I don't like Hillary. Oh, okay. Well, you, you like Rubio? No, nah, I don't like Rubio. You go, I go through all the candidates. I finally get down to the last one. I said, wait, who, who are you supporting? He goes, Trump, my man Trump. And I, I, I just have found again and again, it's not the fancy people at the fancy DC cocktail parties and the big think tanks at the fancy lunches at wherever. It's ordinary people working ordinary jobs that you don't hear about on TV those are the people who flocked to Trump who did not like other candidates. Could a Ron DeSantis win over those people? Yeah, sure. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see if it, when they run a national campaign. But we know that Trump got them. And this idea that he's always uniquely off-putting to people. I, I don't buy that for one second. John McCain was uniquely off-putting to people. He lost. Mitt Romney was uniquely off-putting to people. He lost. I guess not uniquely. Just kind of ordinarily off-putting to people. Donald Trump won. Those guys lost. Donald Trump won. Okay, so don't tell me about who, who is guaranteed to lose. Very, very naive. Now, speaking of maps, speaking of the election maps, speaking of diagrams, of all the political rhetoric that we have heard and analyzed in recent days and weeks, I think I've just discovered the absolute tippy top of the heap, the creme de la creme. This would be our vice president, Kamala Harris, giving a discourse on Venn diagrams. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they overlap. You will not be surprised because I have constructed a Venn diagram on this. Remember those three circles, how they overlap? I love Venn diagrams. So <laughs> I just do. Whenever you're dealing with conflict, pull out a Venn diagram, right? And so, you know, the three circles. And so I, so I, I asked my team, right? They're I'm fantastic. Out right now he sees the Venn diagram of it all. He sees that there are those circles and mm -hmm. maybe people seem that they're a little different. They live in different parts of the country. They may be different age or different race, but that area in the middle, that overlap. And I asked my team to do a Venn diagram of where these attacks are happening. So voting rights, 
women's reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights. And, of course, there was a huge intersection. You know, I asked my team to do a Venn diagram for me of where we are seeing attacks and who are the attacks against and the similarity. And When you look at a diagram of the, uh, it, just a Venn diagram in that regard, it, it tells a, a real tale. This is the caliber of intellect leading our country. A third grade caliber of intellect. <laughs> this is, I almost wonder when I watch that clip, did Kamala Harris just learn what a Venn diagram is? Did she, or I don't know what's better, that she just learned what a Venn diagram is, or that her education never progressed past the third grade. Because Kamala Harris, I guess, has a law degree, but, uh, uh, you know, this is typical now of our education structure. We, we flatter ourselves. We say, oh, we're the most educated generation ever. Oh, yes, Americans have more degrees than ever. Right, but we're, we have more degrees, but we are much less educated because those degrees don't mean anything anymore because all the standards have been dramatically lowered <laughs> for various reasons of, of national policy and the decay of these institutions. The standards are much lower now, such that you could have a not only a bachelor's degree, but a law degree. And this is the height of your political thinking. Not exactly Metternich, okay? We're not talking about Talleyrand over here, all right? This is where we are. And do not think for one second that that woman cannot become president. I just, I just want to encourage people to expand their political imaginations. I think, I guess that's sort of the theme of this show. Don't believe what the, the fact checkers tell you about the crazy conspiracy theories. Don't believe what the propagandists tell you about the fog of war, trying to clear up the fog of war. Don't believe what the pundits with their own agendas tell you about, oh, Trump can't win, or this, this person's the only person who can win. I would not believe any of that stuff, okay? Don't believe them when they tell you Kamala Harris can't become president. John Fetterman is about to become a U.S. senator. All right. They said that they said that no one would elect a guy who can't speak. They did. They said no one would elect Trump. They did. That woman could be your next president. All right. If that's not enough to motivate you to get out and help the Republicans win, I, I don't know what will. There are so many questions, specifically regarding women, actually, in this country right now. And, and probably the question that's giving me the most trouble, the question that's keeping me awake at night is, why do attractive women find Pete Davidson, lovable. Why? Why are good-looking, successful, put-together women, why are they drawn like a moth to a flame to skeet to this sort of meth-addict-looking, sort of strange, odd, creepy guy? Why? Why? We're going to find out. I will be hosting a panel right now in the member block of women, of good-looking, normal women from around the country to explain to me the appeal of Skeet Davidson. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.